Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Process Potables, a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. You can follow Underground Sports Philadelphia at Underground PHI. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave a five-star rating, and a review. You can find us on all social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, and Untapped. We are at Process Potables. The next couple of episodes are all going to be part of a series previewing the upcoming Sixers season, bringing on several guests that I'm really excited to talk to and hope that you're excited to hear from. The first episode of this installment is going to be with Kevin Kincaid of Crossing Broad. Kevin formerly covered the beat for the Philadelphia Union and now covers the beat for the Philadelphia 76ers. He also hosts a podcast called It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia. Before we get to the interview with Kevin, I do just want to make a few quick announcements regarding Process Potables. Just want to let everybody know that we will be live in the Wells Fargo Center parking lot before the Sixers home opener on October 23rd. Please come find us. Please come hang out, drink a beer, scream into the mic, whatever you want to do. It is absolutely appropriate. We will be having a party. Please come say hi. When I have further details on that, I will make sure to announce them on the pod. And also, on November 1st, we will be live from Flying Fish Brewery in Somerdale, New Jersey, from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. So we would love to see some people there enjoy some of Flying Fish's great beers. Without any further ado, here's Kevin Kincaid. All right, I am joined now by Kevin Kincaid. Kevin is the uh, Sixers beat reporter for Crossing Broad. You can find him on Twitter at Kevin underscore Kincaid. That's K-I-N-K-E-A-D. Kevin, thank you so much for joining me. Of course, brother. How you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, I'm really excited to talk some Sixers. Uh, really excited to do this uh, season preview series kind of thing. It's uh, it's a, it's a very big honor for me to to talk to some of the the guests I have, yourself included. So it, it's very very much appreciated. Oh yeah, man. I'm not that famous. You don't have to do all that <laughs> stuff, but uh, but I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, when when it goes from being just a bunch of a bunch of dudes that you <laughs> talk a bunch of shit to in text messages about you know, everybody else to people that actually get to cover the team legitimately. It's uh it's a nice step up. No, it's all good, man. I think, uh, I think Steve came down to, um, he was down in Chester when I yep. did the live, the live soccer podcast. And I got the picture holding the, uh, process potables, uh, uh, business card or something. So I figured I would uh, return the favor, you know? Yeah. We, we try and get out there. I, uh, I get stuck this time of year doing a bunch of marching band stuff on the side. So uh, I wanted to come out to that really bad, but I know a lot of my friends did, and I know Steve got to snag that pick, so that was really cool. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was fun, man. We'll do it. We'll do another one of those at some point probably. Good, good to see him carrying a little bit of the load here and there. That's right. That's right, yeah. All right, so I'll dive right into it. Uh, most of these are pretty quick hits, but some of them, you know, if you've got anything good, we can definitely dwell on a little bit. Absolutely. Uh, the first question I have for you is, since Philadelphia, we love to be pessimistic, uh, what's the biggest concern of yours going into the season? Being that you know the hype around this team is so high, and everybody is talking about Eastern Conference Finals, Finals. So right off the bat, what's the biggest concern to you? Oh, we're going Negadelphia right off the bat here. Yep, right we're going to do, the, we're gonna do the pre-mortem. The, the, <laughs> the pre-mortem, as Brett Brown likes to say. I mean, it would, pro- it would probably be health. I mean, it would probably be health because. Uh, you know, it's, it's one thing to say, well, Joel Embiid, you know, do we have a plan for him? Are we going to try to make sure that he's not playing 35, 36 minutes a game through December? You know, are we get, do we have a finally have a plan to quote unquote deliver him to the playoffs for the first time? That's one thing, you know. Um, you know, the other half, too, is like it's I think it's kind of naive for everybody to just think like, well, we're just going to throw Al Horford in at the five when. 
you know, when he's when when Joel Embiid is is resting, right? Well, he got to rest Al Horford too. Al Horford's thirty three years old, so I think Kyle yeah. O'Quinn's oh, Kyle O'Quinn's probably going to play a lot more minutes, be more important than I think people is. But I, th- I think it's just finally getting everything right from the health department because. You, know, you can talk about all the the, the factors and you know, randomness that goes into it, but the bottom line is that they haven't been able to get a healthy Joel, Joel Embiid to the playoffs for for two years running now. Yeah, I thought it was interesting through a lot of his media day quotes, uh, mainly from Monday, that he did seem to, and even since the end of the, ever since suffering the loss of Toronto, that he seemed like he was very open. There were all the reports that he was open to the idea of of load management, that he wanted to make sure that he was able to get to the playoffs and be able to be the guy that we need him to be, other than the somewhat shell of himself he was this past postseason. But then he also was making comments about wanting to be MVP and wanting to be defensive player of the year. And I appreciate the ambitiousness, but... You know the MVP of the league doesn't usually play sixty games and yeah, yeah. Have, has has his load heavily managed, uh, you know, phrasing. But um, <laughs> you kind of have to if you're go- if you're saying you're willing to make those sacrifices, then I don't know if you want to also be coming out and talking about trying to win these awards that are generally guys that are being overused and overworked and things like that. So I thought there's a little bit of a clash there. Yeah, that, it's just uh, a reality. I, I, I didn't Dude. think people talked about it a, lot, a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's just a reality of the situation. You know, I mean, you want you want athletes to come out and say all those things, and you want them to set their goals high and whatnot. But uh, yeah, the reality of the situation is that a seven foot two, two hundred whatever pound guy is not. You know, it's just not realistic for him to play eighty games in a season. It's not realistic for him to play seventy games. You know, I think the contemporary NBA. You know, we have this 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 generational split here where people who are like you know, 35 and younger, like my age, you know, and then you have people who are like my dad's age and my uncle's age think, think that he should be like, you know, quote unquote, getting his, getting his ass down in the blocks, you know, every <laughs> single play. And then that, that stuff's just not, it's just not what it is realistically. So it's, it's nice to hear them say those kinds of things and talk about, um, you know, the, those accolades and whatever, because I think generally they're saying, well, if I do this, it means that we're going to be pretty good. Right. But, um, you know, you do what you have to do to win a championship. And if that's sitting him down for every single back to back or just, you know, protecting his minutes more so than he did last year. Like, obviously, that's just going to be the most important thing. Yeah, I remember a, uh, a, a former colleague of mine who is known for just getting completely roasted on Twitter for absolutely terrible takes and things that I won't actually name, uh, was spouting off about how this summer somebody needed to just lock Ben Simmons in a gym until he learned a jump shot, which, you know, <laughs> led me to say, you really think to this point in his life that he hasn't been in a gym taking shots like that that's yeah, exactly what you're talking yeah. about with that 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 older demographic unfortunately he, he he's much younger but uh yeah those those takes are always always hot yeah i mean you just gotta <laughs> well and that bleeds into like yeah i mean you see it in like every sport in philadelphia you know those same people are like the crowd that think uh you know the complain when gene segura isn't you know full sprint every yep. time from from home plate to first base and it's just kind of a different it's it's more i think i think a, a younger generation you know millennials and whatever came after us generation z i guess is, is that what's next but I you know there's yeah those whatever they are you know it's just it's more of a pragmatic approach it's you know how to, how do we sort of compartmentalize the entire season with with the goal being you know if we're trying to get this guy to the playoffs healthy, then Friday night, second night of a back-to-back in November at Utah just might not make sense for him to to come out there. You know what I mean? So I, I think you just have different different viewpoints now on uh, on summer training, on back-to-backs, on load management, on stuff like that. It's not necessarily an analytics-driven thing. I just people, I think people understand that. Hey, man, we got to prioritize here. Yeah, absolutely. All right, my next question is. Uh, give me a positive narrative 
that is likely to develop this season. So we'll take the alternate approach. What, what's what's a, like a good story that could develop that maybe people aren't necessarily thinking about right now? Yeah, I'll give you something different. Maybe a Tobias Harris finds finds the form that he had with the Clippers last year. Okay. Um, I don't think people talk enough about the, the idea that we didn't, we didn't really get Tobias's best. Oh, last no. year. I mean, he was, he was shooting 40% from three with the Clippers. It was a different offensive system. He came over late in the year in a high profile trade, but he was, he was, he was, you know, some people were saying he was an all-star snub that he was probably good enough to make the all-star team. And, you know, trying to find his, trying to, trying to find his feet in a system where Jimmy Butler had the ball a lot. And, Ben Simmons obviously handled the ball a lot, and he was sort of just kind of kind of feeling his way out, coming to a new city, you know, all that kind of stuff. Now he's got the big contract, um, and especially with the lack of perimeter shooting, with the perimeter shooting they lost with, with J.J. Redick and Jimmy Butler, I, I think Tobias Harris could be a guy that they go to at the end of games, you know? I mean, because who, who else is the, is the most reliable three-point shooter on the team? If he, if he can replicate anything close to what he did with the Clippers last year, I mean, he'll be worth every dollar this year. Yeah, I agree. I, I hope to see that. I actually, I got a little bit of shit because when we were still trying to figure out if we wanted to keep Tobias or Jimmy Butler, I wrote a piece kind of going after Tobias Harris and it that, that wasn't what I actually felt. I liked Tobias and I think I wanted him to stay more than Jimmy and I'm glad that worked out, but I was just looking at numbers and, and there was such a drop off in his three point percentage from was, the yeah. Clippers to here. And especially when he shared the court with Joel Embiid, which was especially troubling. But, you know, I, I, yeah. I, I prefaced that with small sample size, you know, he's coming over in the trade it's the middle of the season. Like we get all those things. They're legitimate arguments to why he dropped off. But, yeah, I mean, I think I think a lot of people are banking on that, but um, you know, hopefully, it gets the attention it deserves. If he does regain that form, that he really gets the praise and and the credit he deserves, and and can really live up to that max contract. Yeah, I mean, I've always um, one of my favorite words in sports writing is the word assertive because it's kind of a step down from aggressive. You know, aggressive has a connotation that says that you're kind of out of control or you're, sure. you're kind of seeing seeing things in a narrow sense, whereas assertive kind of suggests that you know what you're capable of doing uh, and you go out and you exert that, you know, and you you impose that on the other team. I, I think assertiveness was something that was kind of missing from his game when he came to Philadelphia last year, but you saw on the on the on the occasions where they were rotating the ball, they were moving it well, and he was attacking closeouts and getting to the rim or firing up catch-and-shoot three-pointers. He was an, all, an all-star caliber player. So see if we get that this year. Yeah, I know um, You know, today's Wednesday. I don't know exactly when this is going out yet, but there's a clip right now from Sixers practice that seems to be going around pretty hot on Sixers Twitter of uh, Tobias do, having a really nice dribble drive move uh, and mm-hmm. getting to the rim. A lot of stuff we really didn't get to see that much of. Uh, you know, maybe a lack of assertiveness, like you said, a little bit last year, and also the the personnel possibly having an impact on that. So if he's worked on that lateral quickness, like he's talked about, and he's going to be a little bit more assertive, then uh, we might get to see a lot more of that. It looked good from the video. Yeah, for sure, man. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, so this might be the same thing um, the way we started off, but you know, the opposite would be a, ne- a negative narrative that is likely to develop this season. I don't know if you have one that isn't injuries. Well, I no, I mean, I, I think Ben. You know, when people, everybody talks about Ben Simmons in his shooting, you know, I think the one thing that people are skipping is like, uh, I mean, it, it really, we're asking a guy to go from point A to point F here. You're asking a guy for, to, who who's, was zero percent on zero for zero three point shooting like all of last year 
to what now, you know, firing up three or four three pointers a game, two to four three pointers a game and hitting at what 30%, you know, it's just yeah. the, 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 the level is steep for him to get to where he needs to be to warrant defenders because, because really, I mean, as everybody knows, it's a, it's a spacing issue, you know, and Ben has to be able to shoot at a high enough level that it warrants putting a defender on him. I mean, if he's shooting 24% from three, which is a 24% improvement from last year, is that still good enough to warrant putting somebody else out there? Are they going to, sit in the slot and clog it up? Are they going to kind of like peel off of him and double Joel Embiid? You know, it's as much about, you know, that's about relieving the stress on other players, you know, so that he doesn't have to be standing down there in the dunker spot. I, I am, I'm, I'm skeptical that it's going to be that. I, I shouldn't say that I'm skeptical that he can't do it because I think he can, but I don't, I think people are naive if they think he's just going to come out firing 30, 30%, you know, right off the bat. I mean, I think it's going to be pretty rocky to start. They're going to have enough talent to just squash lesser teams no matter what. But, you know, hopefully by the time the playoffs come around, if he can get if he can even reestablish that elbow jumper or, or get his three point percentage up to 28, 29, 30, something like that, just enough that it'll it'll warrant actually putting some somebody on him, then we'll be good. You know? Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I think a lot of people are very are very all or nothing with that. They think he's going to remain a guy who doesn't shoot or they think he's going to start knocking him, knocking him down. And the reality is that yeah. most things it's somewhere in between. And we've seen, well, you I mean, don't, there's never really a net. Yeah. I mean, what's the natural progression, right? Like, yeah. I mean, you could talk about his free throw shooting was up maybe what, like 4% last year. Yeah. So, I mean, you look at that as something to build off of for a guy who really didn't take any jump shots at all. It's just a tall task to ask a guy to go from, from where he is now to where he needs to be. Yeah. And Giannis, you know, never shot them and was poor at it. And still he's, shoots like 30 percent and that's after mm-hmm. a couple seasons of trying to implement it and teams are still willing to just sag off of him because you'd rather him yeah. take that shot than you know drive by you which will probably be the same case with ben simmons like that's the best case yeah really. well it's interesting too i don't i don't know if you if you remember this but uh i think it was in the milwaukee game uh, oh god i think it was the i think they played milwaukee once at home last year i think in that game Giannis was somebody sagged off of him and just invited him to shoot a three pointer any any air ball the three pointer yep. right and everybody was going air ball air ball air ball and uh, at the end of the day he still had like forty six points yep so you know to me with Ben doesn't have to worry that that's where Ben needs to be mentally where it's like. He needs to. People need to stop framing the Ben Simmons shooting thing as like, well, this is the one thing he can't do. And instead, they need to flip that narrative and say, well, imagine what he can do when he when he's able to do this, right. you know. And I think that's why he gets annoyed when we ask him the questions about it because he's just sick of hearing the same thing over and over again. But I think if you frame it in a way that says like, look, you know, you're a, a perennial MVP candidate if you can do the one thing that you can't do. I think that's just a more a more healthy way to approach it. Yeah, I agree with that. The next question I have, uh, this is one bold prediction for the Sixers. It can be a, a team-based one or it can be a specific player. A bold prediction. Um, you know, try to go away from Tobias Harris here. I think, I think a bold prediction is that I think Josh Richardson is going to be able to do more of what J.J. Redick was able to do than – than people think. Okay. Um, and what I mean by that is that when you, when you go through Josh Richardson's uh, DHO numbers, his handoff numbers, his off ball movement, um, they look better than I expected. Um, he was a guy actually who was in the top twenty five. Believe it or not, hopefully I was reading the uh, NBA stats correctly, but to, but he was in the top twenty five of DHO usage last year. So JJ, I think for context i think he was like 30 percent of his plays like handoffs or something like that and um 
Richardson was actually in the 14% range. So I think he can, I think he can do a lot of, you know, that, that two man game, people gripe about handoffs, but Redick and, uh, and, and bead had a really, really good understanding, you know, um, you know, two man game handoff, you know, counter cuts, things like that. And Josh Richardson is a guy who does move pretty well off the ball and he is a good catch and shoot three point shooter. So, um, it'd be interesting to see. I mean, he's more athletic, you know, and they'll be able to do some different things with him. But, um, even though you're losing JJ Reddick's pure shooting, I, th- I think, like schematically from a from a from an offensive from a, a motion offense standpoint, I think he is uh, he he can do a lot of similar things mechanically to what JJ did. Awesome! I would be excited to hear that. I, I'm really excited for him. I was talking to somebody last night uh, who said so, they said a, something similar to what you said, but it seemed like they were being a little bit more. It seemed like they were taking more of a shot at JJ, and almost seemed like he was going to f- fit that role more. And I disagree with that, not with your point. But I basically said, you know, I think he's a guy that will demand respect. Like he's not a guy they're going to sag off or mm-hmm. or not defend. But the difference between him and JJ, at least the way that we saw JJ, was JJ's gravity and the way that sometimes two or three people could get pulled yeah. to him off that screen. Like Josh Richardson doesn't command that. That doesn't mean he can't be effective. It's just not really the same thing. No, it's not. And I think, you know, if you're looking at it stylistically from, you know, Jimmy Butler obviously was more of an isolation and pick and roll kind of guy. And then the, the Sixers just have not, have not been that ever since since Brett Brown has been here. So if, you, if you're putting if you're putting if you're giving me a vacuum and you're saying Josh Richardson and Jimmy Butler, I'm saying that Jimmy Butler is the better player. But I think Josh Richardson, his play style is probably more adaptable to what the Sixers are trying to do, you know, and it also does help that he's less of an alpha kind of guy. So I don't, I don't think, I think people talk about, you know, what they lose in that game. And I know that, I know that people aren't really that high on dribble handoffs or some people are bored with, with Brett's offense or whatnot, but I just, I think Richardson will be able to kind of simulate more of what JJ was able to do than, than people realize. Awesome. Uh, Who is the second leading scorer on this team? Assuming Joel is first. If Joel is first, I'll say Tobias Harris is number two. Okay. End of season, all NBA, all defense. Do you project any of these guys to end up there? And, you know, if so, where? Well, I mean, Embiid is going to have to deal with Gobert again. Um, I mean, that would probably keep him out of there. Uh, God, I don't know. I mean, because they're going to be sharing the ball and they're going to be playing a little bit a little bit differently than other teams, too. It's hard to see anybody with any ind- individual um, – awards i don't think anybody ends up on a on a first team anything but i think they finish as the number one seed in the east i, I think that sounds sounds strange to say no i mean um, it makes sense that was my next question too is playoff seed okay so you have them as the number one seed in the east i think they'll take the number one seed yeah because i you know milwaukee's just i mean i think we know more of what they are uh you know whereas you know losing brogdon i think was a pretty big th- thing for them yeah you know, I agree. having ha- having horford in there to to be able to guard Giannis too so Embiid doesn't have to do it too i think that gives them a really good matchup against them but uh yeah i, w- I would say sixers first place okay uh who do, who would you think would be league mvp and defensive player of the year so you mentioned gobert might might mm-hmm. be the reason that Embiid won't be defensive player of the year yeah um League MVP, I mean, I think Giannis can win it again. Yeah, so do I. Just because he's going to put up a ton of numbers there, you know. I mean, it's just kind of hard to, you know, it's just such a, it's such a different way that they that they play with him on the floor up there, you know. Yeah. I mean, um, if not, if not, I'll give you. Ka- I mean, Kawhi would probably be a number two, um, playing in LA now. Um, but you know, I think Embiid Embiid's going to have competition with Gobert and with. Um, 
Yeah, I, I I don't know. It's it's just <laughs> I think Giannis. I think Giannis wins MVP again, and uh, I think the Sixers finish first place, but they don't win any of the of the individual awards. I'll take that. I'm fine with that. I think um, most people. <laughs> uh, how far do the Sixers have to go for Brett Brown to remain the coach? They have to get to the Eastern Conference Finals, at least. Um, you know, because if if you know if you lose in the semis three straight years with now with this team being what it is, there's just no way you can, you can move on with it, you know? Yeah. I, I agree with you there as well. Uh, Eastern conference finals and Western conference finals. Who do you got? Eastern conference finals, bucks and Sixers. That one's pretty easy. Western conference finals. Well, it's not going to be, I don't, I just don't think the Warriors have it this year. I'll say Clippers. I don't know what the Rockets are going to be. Clippers, Rockets, the Nuggets, I think I'll take a step back. Uh, say Clippers, Rockets. Okay, Clippers, Rockets. So you actually think that yeah. Russ and Harden can get that far? I, th- I think uh, Harden's good enough to take them that far now that now that Golden State is not what they used to be. You okay. know, I, I'm just I'm not that big of a I'm not that big of a believer in Portland and Denver. I mean, Denver's a good team, but I don't I don't think they have the star power of other teams. Yeah, I'd say LA and. Uh, and the Rockets. All right. And a finals prediction. Finals prediction, I would say Sixers uh, and the Clippers go to game seven. I have no idea who wins it. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to leave this as a cliffhanger. It just, <laughs> it just feels like, I know, I know. It's hard to say, but, uh, you know, I just, Kawhi and Paul, Paul George would probably be back in November. Um, Clippers look good, but I think if they got to that matchup, I do think the Sixers. I, I I do. I would say that the Sixers would probably have an edge over the Clippers just because I like their size. Yeah, you know, I like their big man situation better than what L, what LA has. So I would say this. How about Sixers and seven? All right, I really like it. Um, yeah, you can find Kevin at Crossing Broad. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Kevin Kincaid. Kevin underscore Kincaid. Kevin, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate you coming on. Yeah, Dan, we'll do it some other time. All right, man. Awesome, man. Thanks. Cheers.